On today's episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast, we welcome in a special guest that is Zach Noble of All Things NBA. And we talk a little James Harden. We talk a little uh, what exactly is going on with this James Harden situation. What happened over the summer? What is happening now as Harden has joined the Sixers in camp and the preseason has begun? And what will happen to come? So a very special edition of Still Processing coming at you right now. Welcome back to episode eight of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. Very excited about this episode. We welcome in a very special guest. And before I get to what we're discussing, let's get to that guest. That is Mr. Zach Noble. Zach, how are you doing today? My man, always good to join you. Uh, it's been a maybe a year or two, but happy to be here and doing well. Um, about as good as a guy can do after a brutal Vikings choke once again. We had a we had a chance today, but Minnesota in typical fashion, baby. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, well, I mean, I, we, I'm sure you saw the the play, obviously, uh, with the Kansas City Chief player. Can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but uh, approaching the ref without his helmet on, uh, and the controversy yeah, that that has uh, since caused. Uh, but a disappointing game, obviously, uh, for for Minnesota Viking fans out there. Uh, not the case for Philadelphia Eagles fans, go birds, but uh, back to the point of the pod, our Sixers preseason game just wrapped up, lost to the Celtics. There was some interesting stuff in there. We're not going to go over all that. We'll save that for another time. Jaden Springer with an absolutely sick block of Jason Tatum at the rim. All great stuff. Didn't see that. Nice. The, it, oh, it's, it's a beauty. It's an absolute beauty. But the reason for the season today is that we're going to talk a little bit about James Harden. And how you talk a little bit about James Harden with everything that has happened over the past few years, I don't know, but we're going to try our best to keep it neat and keep it tidy. So uh, over the <clears throat> past few months since the beginning of the offseason, the quick recap, and then we'll kind of go through item by item. Uh, the Sixers obviously entered the offseason unsure of what the future was with James Harden. James Harden was uncertain of his future as well. He did not receive communication from Daryl Morey and the Sixers a year after they uh, were heavily fined for their over-enthusiastic approach with free agents, I guess we could call it. Uh, so long story short, he opts into his deal, demands a trade. These are all facts that we know, but just recapping. Uh, and so he's begun his trade demand process, and we've been lagging through the entire summer trying to figure out what's going on with James Harden, where's James Harden going, what's he going to look like when he comes uh, or when the start of camp comes, didn't even know if he was going to show up to camp. And now we've gone all the way through camp. He showed up. He participated. He was in shape. And we've gone through a whole preseason game. Now, he didn't play, but that's not he didn't not play in the preseason because of this trade demand or anything like that. Clearly, yeah. there. well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there's at least another reason we could say he didn't play yeah. in the preseason yeah. game. 
They brought him along slowly in training camp. You know, he showed MB up, didn't late, either. But at so least he showed honest. up at all. And B didn't either. You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of big name players did not play the first preseason game of the season. So yeah. uh, you can't chalk it up a hundred percent to that. Although it, oh yeah, it, it played a factor. So getting back to that, to that beginning, the decision to, and I guess I should also explain Zach why exactly you're here. You know, why I wanted to talk to you about this why I wanted our listeners to hear your perspective on this matter. Uh, I feel that you can speak to just about anybody in the Philadelphia area, and you're probably going to get a similar or crossing perspective on this matter. Uh, but one thing people would will, would know about you if they you know follow <laughs> you on Twitter, which again, at Zach Noble on Twitter, great follow. Absolutely great follow. Appreciate you. Uh, is that your perspective on this deal does not align with a lot of Sixers fans. Let's just, we'll put it that way. And then I'll let you speak for yourself thereafter. But uh, your initial thoughts on Harden's decision to opt in and then immediately request a trade. What was your thought when you saw that play out? You know, I just felt like um, my initial thought. Okay. So that's, that's an interesting way to preface it. Um, me personally uh going back to him opting into that so my initial thought because it released right after that maury was going to work with him to find a trade that's why uh, my thoughts were predicated on that so um, i didn't really have any strong thoughts because there wasn't a lot of time to uh really digest you know on on my end so uh really that's that was my thought that he was going to get traded and it's the best thing for both parties. You know, that's my thought. Um, obviously people know trades don't happen overnight. Okay. And everybody, that's why people get mad at James Harden because this has taken so long, but little do they know is James Harden's doing you a favor. Okay. Regardless of what you think James Harden could have got on the open market, Philadelphia gets zero if he doesn't opt into that contract. So one, if he liked Maury or not at that point, which obviously he didn't, if he liked Philadelphia as an organization at the night, he showed respect. He did them a favor, regardless of what you think it has to do with his money. Okay. There's no denying those facts, but are we going to get the return? Some people want, who knows, but a lot of, Rational Sixers fans I know just want this guy gone so they can move on. And I'm sick of it. I definitely hate talking about it all the time, but he's he's an incredible player, top 25 all the time. I think he's very underrated uh, for what he's done the past few years. And it's he became underrated because, I mean, yeah, it's partly on himself, partly on circumstances, but um, he's lucky that these circumstances aren't like definitively his fault. Okay. I mean, and I stand by, I'm like anybody who blames Houston on him, he gave him everything he wanted. He gave them a fair shot early in the off season, told him he wanted out. That was their problem. Okay. And he came out and played incredible for five, seven games. And then just got sick of it. Cause they said they kept leading them on. We got to trade. We got to trade. It's coming. Um, and then the team sucked too. So I, I don't blame the guy for falling apart those last couple of games. And then that's what people put a fit on that he stormed out of Houston. No, 
He did Houston. That team ran its course. Daryl Morey sucked in Houston those last couple of years, like putting a team together and holding his own. Like it was just Daryl Morey at Harden's feet. But Daryl Morey still sent him to his second destination. I mean, he wanted to go to Philly. That was well documented, um, even though Brooklyn was a great destination. It's just like Dame going to Milwaukee, okay? Um, it's Daryl Morey didn't do it out of spite because he still sent him to an amazing place. You know, there's no, I mean, it was arguably one of the greatest teams formed of all time. And they were on paper for 16 games when they played together. Unfortunately, that didn't run its course. And who knew how long Kyrie Irving was going to be out. Okay. Um, Harden made uh, rash decisions saying that he wanted out because he didn't know that he was going to stick around. He didn't know Kyrie Irving um, was going to actually be around ever and how long this uh, disease, this problem is going to last. So I don't blame that either. Like um, what I do blame James Harden for out of anything, this biggest mistake is not accepting the max contract in Brooklyn before yeah. anything happened. That's the sure. only contract I fault Harden for really. Um, do I think he's leaving a, amazing situation in Philly. Yeah, I think he is. Um, but this is where we're at. And, um, I know I went on a bit of a tangent there, but I want to give a, a little bit of a backstory, but for sure, for sure. Um, what did and I you're on? right because it does it. First of all, it does matter. The immediate conversation following Harden's trade man. And that being that Daryl Morey, uh, you know, seemingly and likely, you know, did agree to, work on that trade for Harden, and obviously we are some time from that, and it still has not materialized. We can talk about why that may or may not have happened in a little bit, but to summarize it for now, it's because Daryl Morey doesn't know any way to negotiate but by playing hardball. So kind of going back to, you know, Harden's history and all that, uh, you know, the the initial destination for Harden, again, like you said, seemed to be Philly. It's because at that point, Daryl Morey had come to Philadelphia. And then Til- Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, uh, <laughs> and this is what's kind of set off the whole Ben Simmons chain of events, yep, obviously. Despite uh, deal. Had that deal set up. Agents were contacted. A deal fell apart. And, you know, you, you can say whatever your theory is on that. That's But, you know, the deal was there, and then it somehow fell apart. And Harden finds himself in Brooklyn, which, again, fantastic scenario. And like you said, very much like the Dame situation, I feel. Uh, and, it, and it was a great situation, albeit absolutely explosive. And that's for a number of different reasons. But if you look at one player who I think was perhaps the most impressive during the rest of that season of the, the big three, James Harden played phenomenal basketball. Oh, Transitioned into a MVP, brand new role. Yeah, he was fantastic. He was yeah. he was he was incredible. People talk about you know the old James Harden and and what have you, but he showed that he could be an elite player in a different role, which is something that, that might have been the best lot James of, Harden ever. That's that's it might have been. If you talk about winning basketball, it very well might have been. And it takes a great player to be able to change their game and still be great. So uh, absolutely have to give Harden props for that. When we then look back at how the offseason kind of labored on the Sixers did not do themselves any favors obviously by not communicating with Harden beforehand and the reasoning reportedly 
relates to the tampering charges that they faced the year previous. If they were to be, which every team tampers, it's it's the most ludicrous thing that it's a selectively enforced rule. But if the Sixers were to be randomly chosen to be the example again and in two consecutive years, how much more harsh would that penalty have been? I think that's a fair question to wonder. It's not a defense of not communicating with a guy whatsoever, uh, but it is sensical to be uh, a little bit precautious about what you're willing to do in that regard. The fact that they reached out so little, though, I think speaks to how uncertain they were that they wanted to bring him back, or rather how desperate they were to bring him back, which was not as much as Harden expected them to be, or even the Sixers expected themselves to be earlier in the season. So, perfect segue there, perfect point to bring up, and it all started back in, whatever, December, January, when Sixers brass were like... um, Daryl, we've got to start throwing some smoke out there or something that we're, we're a little hesitant on bringing James back on the max you might have promised him, what have you. Um, and that's where the Houston stuff starts coming in here, and that's where both sides, I mean, start getting all roughly. Um, that's, I mean, that's been documented. It's been reported. You but tell that story a very interesting way, may I just say. We'll, we'll, we'll get back well, to that in a second, but please go on. You want to you correct it? I mean. No, well, I mean, yeah. I, listen, correct is a tough thing to do in this yeah. business. You know that. I mean, when we look at uh, all of these rumors that are put forth and the information from sources, uh, source information comes out for a reason. That's for sure. That's just fact, right? Uh, So it's important to consider, you know, where is this information coming from? Who's leaking this information? Uh, What I do think is, and and I think this is the essence of your point, which is where I think you're absolutely correct, is that the Sixers were not certain of uh, re-signing Harden to a max deal. Whether or not there were promises of that, uh, I mean, listen. Right, that's not guaranteed. That's not guaranteed, but... The that contract said, itself, like the exact vague language could certainly be understandably have been said of, and we will reward you on the back end, something to that effect, you know? So yeah. uh, it's not like they're just going to say, yeah, you just have a player option and then that's it. Like, obviously there was more to that conversation that we'll never know, yeah. but getting back to the hardened Houston uh, very much from what I saw, and maybe I misunderstood what you were saying, but very much seemed uh, an effort from Harden's camp to kind of puff out and say, I am a flight risk. So you may not want to pay me a max deal or what I think I'm worth, but just so you know, I have a place to fall back to a, a legitimate escape route, which at that time, James Harden absolutely did. And it's, it's unfortunate it happened in the middle of the season because that affects how a team. Yep competes throughout the rest of that season but again it's 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 a a two-person tango between the organization and Harden uh and if they're going to allow that information to get out there about not being certain about paying him then he has to respond accordingly in what he thinks is right so I I don't no I agree that's exactly Right. Uh, but I'll allow you to get back to your point obviously I'll get again no I agree with everything you said and I agree that they Harden took a pay cut because he thought he was going to get a big deal. I don't know if it was a full guarantee. We don't know the exact sure. contract that they did. Uh, but anyways, um, I do believe in my my stance is 
that Houston came about because they needed to develop leverage, even though Harden did have probably a little interest of going back there. Uh, but it was also a leverage play because they got smoke from inside the Sixers organization. They were hesitant on paying a longer deal that they wanted. Anyways, the first yeah, I think you're right. The years might have been more crucial right. than anything. I think that's a really good point you bring up. And so getting back to where this uh, rant started here was that um, tampering, um, and that's why Harden had to opt in to this deal, um, and Daryl Morey was unwillingly um, tampering again this round. But my thing is he didn't have to tamper. He just had to tell James Harden if they were actually interested. I don't think Philly was that interested to even bring him back personally. And everything I've gathered is they didn't have a plan to sign him. They wanted to sign and trade him maybe for making a more uh, lucrative deal or whatever for Harden. I don't know. Um, That's, I have no idea, but all I think Daryl Morey had to do to make more leverage for Philadelphia and to put them in a better situation was James Harden to say, James, don't opt into that deal because we're not going to give you the full max, but we're interested in at playing with you. I can't tell you the number because I'm not willing to tamper with you, but we're willing to negotiate. So take that for what you will. And so he didn't do that. Therefore, James Party, he instead agreed to opt in and trade me and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, the, to to your point, uh, from my understanding, and it gets a little complicated. Uh, I, I reported earlier this year on a conversation that happened immediately following Game Seven, and a lot can happen between Game Seven and the the beginning of the offseason. Obviously, uh, Harden was very clear on whether or not he would accept Doc Rivers coming back. And then it wasn't very long after that that Doc Rivers was relieved of duty. Now, there were plenty of other reasons to move on from Doc Rivers. And you can just listen to how the Sixers have talked about Nick Nurse this offseason to understand that they were the greatest coaches available. You go get them regardless. (laughs) Well, absolutely. That's that's true. That's that's, that's how a lot of people felt when Doc Rivers was available. Uh, but I will say that <laughs> looking at that experience versus the early Nick Nurse experience, uh, everything seems to be night and day. And and some of it is, you know, guys like Daniel House who are trying to get minutes for themselves and, and everything like that. But I do think there's a lot of legitimate excitement inside the team uh, about how they're going to be able to play going forward. Maybe not. Joel's been a bit uh complimentary to to Nick Nurse. I think that the lack of elbow dominance that we're probably going to see from him this year might not be his favorite, but it I think after a good portion of the season it might relieve a little bit of that pressure off Joel and uh you know he might be able to I like see you, the immense benefit of it. I like that you say that because he talks like he likes it right now. He talks like he likes it, but we all know he loved last year. He loved every minute of last year, and that yeah. was everything's through and beat, and that's what Harden and everybody else didn't really like uh, because the whole the whole thing in simple terms was just and beat and beat and beat, feed and beat, and then you guys figure it out outside of him. Um, and 
now it's Embiid's talking about it. I'm going to transform into this new version of me and be show my passing ability, show the rest of my offensive repertoire. But I personally don't think it necessarily exists to the level that he's mm. talking to in terms. But I do think Nick Nurse is going to get more out of him. Yes, I do think he's yeah. going to level up everybody else. I I don't think he's going to turn into Nikola Jokic offensively <laughs> overnight. Uh, I don't think he's going to be Marcus All 2.0 overnight. Right. Uh, talking about facility, because there's a long way to go as far as that's concerned. Uh, I do think what's going to be, and this is just a quick and beat aside before we get back to James Harden. Yeah. What I do think is going to be really beneficial is that kind of reversion back to Jimmy Butler era Sixers, Joel Embiid. Uh, where there is that importance placed on rebounding. There is that importance placed on being the defensive anchor. You can have that and still be an elite offensive player. You don't need to lead the league in scoring. You know, you don't need unlimited post touches. You know, you don't need to, to run every single moment of the offense through the elbow. If he expands his range a little bit, which he's capable of doing, they just have to game plan for it. Uh, And if he works a little more efficiently in the offensive scheme. I think that we are going to see potentially an overall improved Joel Embiid, who just may not have the same scoring numbers. If his scoring dips five points per game, I'm fully confident we can still see a better Joel Embiid than we saw last season. Uh, and getting back to stating you know, how everything was kind of run through Embiid, uh, I do think that Joel Embiid owes a large portion of his MVP trophy to James Harden. Uh, obviously, Embiid went out there and got it, but James Harden was instrumental in that pick and roll to just feed Embiid the ball time and time again. And when you talk about, and maybe this is a good transition into James Harden's sacrifice comments that he's made throughout the offseason, uh, I, I do think that there is a little bit of a sacrifice being made there because it's not the it's not the same type of ball domination that James Harden is used to. James Harden as a ball dominator is very used to that Luka Doncic style, which, if we're being fair, is actually James Harden's style that Luka Doncic has emulated, uh, where he's able to dominate the ball and, and kick out to corner threes as willing, but really focus on the scoring load himself as well. So he took a big step back as a, as a scorer. He uh, was asked to shoot off the catch a little bit, which he did more than he ever has, but it still wasn't exactly a lot. Uh, and then, of course, he's working closely with Embiid to push towards that title race. So uh, those, those sacrifices did exist. I'm not saying that they didn't. Uh, do you think that sacrifices – such as that at this point in Harden's career or something that he should inherently be rewarded with? Or do you think that that's just something that you have to do as a natural progression of a, of a talented player at that age in your career? I think sacrifice, if you were as good as James Harden was um, and has been and is, and just like, I mean, LeBron James, uh, like, LeBron doesn't sacrifice though. That's the problem. <laughs> um, and it's, it's hurt him and his team a little bit, but, uh, but like Dwayne Wade, for instance. Um, and I mean, there's other, I can definitely name others, but don't need to. Um, yes, it should be rewarded. Um, mm. but should he sacrifice? Yeah, 
he should. Um, if we saw him in as a number one role, I don't personally think he ever had enough to win, even though he did go against the greatest team of all time and he gave them their best fighting chance ever. I personally still at my core think that team wasn't good enough. Call me crazy. Houston Rockets fans destroy me all the time for it. But um, <laughs> him and Chris Paul made it as far as they could. Um, they it, it, it was a terrible fit. And that's the difference between like Steph Curry, um, Damian Lillard, even on a lesser talent level. Like James Harden has had terrible fits outside of Philadelphia. Okay. And Brooklyn. But that's. Yes and no. You can argue. Yeah, I mean, everybody way. fits next to KD, but then there's yeah. also the personality clash that you deal yeah. with. The talent exceeded the fit everywhere yeah. James Harden had, like Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. So that's why they got as far as they did. But you give him a fit like Steph Curry had, I think he wins titles, that sort of thing. Um, but he never has had the perfect fit outside of Joel yeah. Embiid. And that team had an injured Embiid, mind you. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point. And and I think a Clay Thompson-esque player goes a long way for just about any NBA superstar. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, you know, near top well, tier. Draymond, uh, too. And I mean, well, uh, not not to lessen Draymond's impact, obviously. I mean, Draymond was so crucial. But a guy like the reason I've singled out Clay is that he fits seamlessly with literally anybody. Now, if you put Draymond with James Harden, obviously it's going to be good because of the talent level and having a defender like Draymond would be immensely yeah. helpful. No, it's Clay. I agree. The passing you wouldn't get as, as much of the benefit from. Kind of like if you are pairing, you know, what have you, like Steph and, well, I'm saying Steph and Ray Allen, but if you think about that, I, I can't even imagine how great that shooting You switch would be. out Clay or uh, Clay for CP or Russ, James has at least oh, one sure. title. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, you know, I really do think that that is a factor in Harden's career legacy. And so far throughout his career, it's, you can almost parallel that to Joel Embiid uh, with, with Jimmy Butler, I think being the best. I mean, Harden has been very good for Embiid. I'm not trying to say that, but I, I do think, think Jimmy has fit. been the better fit with Joel Embiid. I would say James Harden has, um, or um, excuse me, Jimmy Butler has been the better fit. And the reason why, why I say yeah. that, I, the reason why I say that is because it's not the same from an offensive creation standpoint, obviously. However, when we look at the defensive capability of that team, of the Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler squad, I mean, that's like true hard playoff championship level defense that was able to be played. And you could certainly make the case that if you change some of the margins on the Sixers roster, even last season, like say everyone's healthy, but swap out guys like Tobias Harris for a little bit more of uh, a two-way threat, which Harris's defense has improved, but it's still not near that even plus-plus range, not even elite, but plus-plus. So if you were to to switch out some of those guys Obviously, you're talking about a much better team, but Jimmy Butler has been able to take the the ball handling pressure off of Joel. He's been able to work as that fantastic defender on the perimeter that Joel doesn't necessarily need, but has benefited from in the past. The only thing missing is the shooting, which James Harden absolutely has over him. 
But it's that defensive difference between Harden and Butler that, in my mind, gives him that leap over him. I want to hear so, your counterpoint, though. Absolutely go on ahead. All I'm going to say is um, I watched them both very, very clearly. I mean, playoffs, I don't remember defensively that Jimmy Butler team versus this one, but regular season-wise, defensively, these guys were top oh, sure. five, to, five to seven this year. Statistically, they were uh, like 15, 17 that Jimmy Butler year. Was Joel Embiid the same player? No, he's much better now as well. But um, I think of the other personnel around him too. Ben Simmons was absolutely elite, and they still weren't they still weren't a top ten defense. I mean, numbers yeah. wise, um, well, just looking at it here. Maybe maybe playoffs you remember it completely different because I don't remember that playoff team defensively. Look at that Raptor series, and and you'll see what I'm talking about. But that that series against Kawhi, yeah. where he won with the shot, it absolutely next level. But you bring up a great point with Ben Simmons, and unfortunately, it's kind of a dueling point where a he absolutely elevates that defense, but b now we're really talking about a team that doesn't fit. Uh, and I'm not just you know taking a shot at Ben Simmons, but you're talking about Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid. Where's that outside? shooting really coming from obviously jj reddick was there and he was huge for the team tobias harris in his first half season with the team was uh was a huge help but uh i mean man you're you're talking about just a, a terrible fit with those three guys together so i agree uh but i think i think that that if you swap out a guy like ben simmons hey let's just bring up clay thompson again <laughs> i mean then you're talking <laughs> about something elite obviously but uh let's bring it back to james harden a little. i mean i feel like you and i could talk basketball all day right and I, that's right. That's a great thing and a terrible thing when you're trying to run a podcast that uh, it goes <laughs> a reasonable right. amount of time, you know, uh, and moving throughout the offseason, obviously there was the uh, the James Harden trade demand, uh, Daryl Morey uh, stating that he was going to work a trade. It hasn't happened yet. Well, let's look into the why it hasn't happened yet. And again, we've talked about James uh, and his trade demand, but he wanted specifically to go to the Clippers has been the the linchpin of his trade conversation as well. It's not just been, I want out of here, but it's, I want out of here and I want to go to LA similar to Damian Lillard about the Miami heat. And I'm not saying that's why he hasn't been dealt. When you look at trying to make that deal with the Clippers, if there's only that one team that is interested in James Harden, which a lot of teams are pulling back interest because he wants to go to LA and they're worried about him being a potential flight risk if they acquire him and they're not L.A., obviously. And then you look at what L.A. has been willing to work with in a deal, and recently it came out that the the offer in July, I believe, was an unprotected first-round pick, a pick swap, and matching salary, which more than likely that's guys like Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, not guys like Terrence Mann, who reportedly have not been included, uh, even Norm Powell, who is kind of a divisive guy in the NBA, but he's certainly uh, an offensive boost, to say the least. Uh, so the Clippers, meanwhile, find themselves in a position where they don't want to up their offer because why bid against themselves, obviously. And so you reach this kind of impasse where you have a guy who's hell-bent on leaving and going to L.A. and James Harden. You have a guy who's hell-bent on not trading James Harden unless he gets a, a superstar-level return. And then you have a team who's, they like the idea of adding James Harden. And it, 
as time goes on, it actually does seem like they're they really like the idea of adding James Harden, but they see absolutely no reason to do so in a way that causes them to bid against themselves, which is again also understandable. So you're kind of looking at this three-way standoff and who's who's gonna crack first. So you know, I guess my question to you, is, Zach, who's gonna crack first? Is it gonna be the Clippers who finally up the offer? Is it gonna be Daryl Morey who finally takes a subpar offer? Or is James Harden going to welcome in possibly a, a, another team to his potential landing spots? So James Harden did open that up, and that was report. I mean, Woj did come out a couple days after saying James Harden is open to other teams, even though everybody knows that is he really? Like, you know, on back channels, it's like, yeah, is he really? He's open, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. That team better be like Philly, Phoenix, uh, not Philly, uh, LA Phoenix or Miami, you know, like which Phoenix became a much more difficult destination the minute that they acquired Bradley Beal. And I actually think that if it wasn't for, uh, well, even kind of circling back for a second, the Sixers were almost willing to lose Harden. And you mentioned the sign and trade, I think they were welcome to that idea of a sign and trade with Houston or a sign and trade with Phoenix, which again was another team that was interested in him. But after getting Bradley Beal, that kind of closed off that door as Philly obviously wasn't interested in DeAndre Ayton. Uh, the other team mentioned frequently was the New York Knicks. Whether that was Harden's interest or the Knicks' interest, that I can't speak to. But, uh, more Harden, you, I'd say. From, you would say more Harden. See, that's interesting because I would, I would believe more Knicks. So why would but, you say more Harden? So just because it's New York, uh, but he obviously knows the, like, the fit with Jalen Brunson and the dudes there, I don't think, like, are appealing to him necessarily, but um, the Knicks would get a deal done. I think with the pieces they have, if they really, I would agree. they have the pieces to up beat Terrence man. Shoot. I'd much rather have whatever Knicks have and they have better picks. Yeah. Um, I think they will have better picks. That is, I mean, we don't know whose picks will be better, uh, but they have but, frequent picks too. You could even, you know, some of yep. their picks, they have the Mavericks picks this year and it's not a, uh, a top tier pick, obviously, most likely. Obviously, they picked in the lottery last year. That's not expected to happen this year. But with the amount of picks they have, they can add a more lucrative offer. Yep. No, I, I also agree that um, why would LA compete against themselves? You know, they want to get this done. And my whole thing is Daryl Morey did this to himself. And that's from the beginning. Like, I laugh at Philly fans when they say, I just hate James Harden. Well, you should hate Daryl Morey more than anybody. He's the one that's been screwing up this thing. Hasn't like, regardless from the uh, Ben Simmons situation. Yeah. He made up for it with James Harden, but like they could have made a better team. That bench was terrible last year. He, I mean, with Harden and Embiid, like that bench still wasn't good enough to compete. Jalen McDaniels was the greatest and he didn't even get the playing time he deserved. And Daryl Morey could have had a say in that as well. Uh, but with that said, you bring in Daniel House with Harden gave you a 15, 17 million to play with last year or whatever. You bring in broken, um, uh, perverted Daniel House who's on his last leg in, in the NBA. And who else? Somebody, somebody else. Crap, not PJ well, PJ Tucker, Tucker was the, was was the other big guy. Decent, but if you look at overpaid, uh, but if you look at PJ and Daniel House, those are also Harden guys. So is that not part of the conversation of it's like, you know, we'll we'll bring in guys. Right. We'll bring in guys that you like that you're used to. Harden and House were very close, especially during the yep. bubble, uh, considering certain situations. But uh, yeah. you know, the, I will say this: that Daryl Morey absolutely deserves a lot of the blame, 
and you could go back as far as the obsessive desire to acquire Harden because <laughs> that is inevitably through whether or not it was Daryl Morey's fault the first deal fell through. That is what led to the Ben Simmons situation forming as it did, even though, again, Daryl Morey's not the only person at fault, but that is a factor in the situation. Wait, Eventually you're saying, landing... Please, please explain. You're saying Ben Simmons yes. wanted to leave because Daryl Morey... Um... So Daryl Morey was the president. Yes, exactly. So Daryl Morey was the president at the time. And so there was a deal that was being, this is reported, that a deal that was being constructed between the Rockets and the Sixers that included Ben Simmons going to the Houston Rockets. For whatever reason, that deal fell apart. Ben Simmons' uh, representation was apparently made known to expect the trade. And after that happened, there was a certain feeling of disloyalty that Simmons felt towards the franchise, which I think, Say what you will about Ben Simmons. That is something that I don't think should be necessarily glossed over because, yes, it is a business, but we don't want to write off the human aspect that is this game. Yeah. Uh, no, so, I thought he was mis- and, unfairly treated. But like, uh, yeah, I, I would say by a lot of people. But but e- even if you look past that, that <laughs> go on, go on. My thing, my thing is, I thought it was all yeah. because of the playoff debacle, and he was no, his feelings were that exacerbated I, I it. That that's all I it. thought this entire time. Mm-mm. No, okay. that see right. that 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 made everything a lot worse because the way that the way that Joel th- responded, the way the doc responded, right. uh, the way the fans responded, obviously, uh, that that made everything worse. And not that Simmons wasn't also to blame for that situation. But everybody just made it worse. And there was already a bad situation because of the previous trade that fell through just earlier that year, mind you. So all of this compounded into one of the most dramatic situations in Sixers history. Mm-hmm. Follow that up by trading not only Ben Simmons, but two more first-round picks. The way that Daryl Morey has handled draft compensation in his time in Philadelphia has been a bit reckless. I think that's that's the polite way to phrase it. Uh, so losing that draft compensation, losing the depth, you mentioned depth earlier, talked about last season, but the season before you're losing Andre Drummond, you're losing Seth Curry that came back to bite them the following season. You don't exactly have great depth because you bring in PJ Tucker was serviceable. He was dealing with an injury to his hand all year, uh, but he was PJ Tucker. You know, he, he was what he was. General house didn't do a whole lot because that's kind of just the stage in his career that he's in. Part of the problem when you're talking about guys like Jalen McDaniels is that you have a coach who was thoroughly disinterested in playing guys that he didn't trust. So whether that is typically younger players, which has been Rivers' MO to not play younger players, or whether that's just guys on the outside, that's something that you as a president, you know, acting as a GM have to consider as well. So absolutely heard on all those fronts. There's no way that I think you can look at this situation and say, and this this might be where we differ a little bit. Um, I don't think you can say anyone is innocent. And if you're looking to assign more blame to one person first the other, I'm almost willing to go flat down the middle. Now, if, if we're talking about who to blame for the situation, perhaps you can assign more blame to Daryl Morey. If you're going to assign more blame to throwing fuel on the fire – that's where James Harden comes in because James Harden has made this an absolute spectacle, uh, even going so far as to make his announcement in China, where he referred to Duramori as a liar twice, even going so far as to have a public party where he had a girl hold up a sign that said Daryl Morey is a liar. I don't know if the, uh, he had the girl do it. You can't control. Come on, Zach. Club. Come on. Are you really? <laughs> we don't know I that's a fact. Can, 
Okay. All right. All right. I will give you, I will give you that <laughs> I do not have the receipt. It is a very strong coincidence that she's holding up a light bright that says Daryl Morey is a liar. I will say that. Could have been his uh, team so, or it could have been just some random club guy. I don't know. Could have been his team. Could have been his team. Either way, uh, it has been quite the the press summer for for James Harden on this. And it's 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 he's a pro at getting himself out of these situations. We've seen that, you know. Whether or not the situation was wrong for him, he's more experienced than anyone at getting himself out of these situations. To his credit, he did not show up. First of all, he showed up to training camp at all, to James Harden's credit. Second of all, he did not show up in, you know, some big mama's house fat suit like a lot of people had expected, you know, as we may or may not have seen in the past. Uh, and Photoshop. He, I'll be to, it's all one big conspiracy. Uh, to again, the credit of himself, his teammates have said nothing but great things about him and how engaged he's been. Nick Nurse had compliments to say about him about how engaged he's been as well. Uh, I would say since training camp, and this has been a, a very welcome breath of fresh air, he has played everything perfectly. And so, my before we get into what's going to happen in the future, my my theory on that is that you have. A guy who's playing ball, who is bucking the trends, the expectation that he was going to be uh, effectively a team cancer, and he's coming in. His teammates love him. His coach loves him. You know, he's he's doing what he can on that front. He's playing ball effectively, and so now who does that leave the onus on to actually get this resolved? Because for anyone expecting this to end in some grand spectacle of kumbaya and James Harden plays with the Sixers and then he resigns in the offseason. That's not happening. So who does the pressure fall on to figure out the situation? That's Daryl Morey. Yep. And so or that adds can, that little more fuel to that fire for, to get a Clippers deal done. Or you can just fire Daryl Morey and get Harden back fully on board with the teammates he loves and this brand new coach that can fix everything who I believe has this pixie dust that very few coaches in NBA history have and then see what happens and see if Maxi <laughs> fully develops like you think. And um, I do think the Kelly Obrey signing and uh, the rest of the pieces, if Harden's there are good enough to win it all. I do. If Harden's there and fully engaged, but if, as long as Daryl Morey's there and Harden's playing for Daryl Moore. You can't trust that situation whatsoever. No, and I so, think that's fair to say both ways. You can't – I yeah. feel as though you can't trust Daryl Morey as uh, – you can't trust Daryl Morey to perform at the level he has to until this is resolved, and you can't trust James Harden to perform at the level he has to until that situation is resolved. And it, it just seems – like mutually exclusive ideas where uh, I don't see this. And we even heard Daryl Morey speaking. Hey, you could hear the pain in his voice speaking on, you know, how this whole thing with Harden has gone down. Cause these are two guys that were very close historically, the, the sure. infamous picture of, of Morey and Harden embracing right after the trade via helicopter. I mean, we're talking <laughs> about crazy stuff. The league doesn't usually see. And then now we're at this point, I just don't see how these two ever work together again. So uh, if your stance is fire Daryl Morey, my response is that's just not going to happen. Uh, if oh, if Daryl Morey wants to, if he wants to willingly step down because he's 
tired of dealing with all the headaches that he's dealt with yeah. the Philadelphia because it, it, it's there are organizational problems, organizational problems. It's not just uh, at the the president level. Uh, this is something that has plagued the Sixers for decades uh, through through regimes. They have even changed regimes, and the regimes are still causing controversies they- from the top down. And it's it's fascinating, honestly. There's already been several books written on it. There will be several more by the time that you and I have passed on. But uh, if Daryl Morey wants to step down, maybe you have a pathway to Harden joining the team. But how else does this get solved if not a trade to the Clippers? So the, the report, the latest reporting, is that they don't want to bid against themselves. However, if they can, they are potentially interested in trading pick swaps for additional draft compensation to then add to a package to Philadelphia. What would you say, and again, that package from July, which they're basically still staying with, is is salary, is uh, unprotected first-round pick, and a pick swap. How much further from that offer do you think, until we've reached a point where you know, Darren Morey is, is, and I know, I know you think he's already being ridiculous. I'm not asking about him in totality. How long before you think that he receives a deal that he would be irresponsible to turn down? Two first. That's it. That's all it should take yeah. for Daryl Morey, in my opinion. But um, do I think he should accept less as long, as long as Terrence Mann or Norman Powell, if you get one of those dudes, accept mm-hmm. it in a heartbeat because um, as long as you got one unprotected pick coming back, because you don't want another headache year for Joel Embiid. You're ready in a lose-lose, and that's why you're holding out to try to get the best package around it. Well, you're not going to get a much better package than that regardless. Um, Harden's on an expiring deal. And uh, why? my thing is, how, how can you, Daryl Morey, and the Philadelphia organization expect to get a superstar or an all-star player back for James Harden when you're not willing to believe in James Harden yeah. at that level and when you don't think Harden is actually an all-star superstar to pay him that level. So that's a you thing. Um, but get one of those guys. I think Philly can be just fine. And But if you don't, if you don't get at least one of those guys, I personally would try to trade Embiid, and I've said this time and time again, mm-hmm. I would try to trade Embiid before he demands out, before you miss out on his highest value, because here's the thing. Um, he's a guy that I think he's a year or two away if this team doesn't make the conference finals or at least game seven of round two in a grueling series he's going to, he's going to want to go. Um, I think he knows he needs a new place at that point. Um, and I personally don't think even what if trading Harden, I think you should almost think about trading him beat immediately. And I know plenty of Philly fans that would be okay with that because, um, they love Maxi and the keys would just be in Maxi's hands and to go through another rebuild, like, Joel B can't get through a playoffs healthy. He needs a loaded team to win. Um, he, he's proved that year after year, um, Maxie would have to literally get the top 10, top 15 player in order for that team to be good enough to get to the conference finals or even win it. So why not sell high on Embiid? Obviously tell him maybe behind the scenes, um, to be fair to him, but like, be like, we're not going to trade you somewhere 
you don't want, but don't say anything um, publicly. Don't even mention it, but we're going to just start floating this out there. You, you get on top of it um, because you just admit you screwed up the James Harden situation. You apologize for that. Um, but it is what it is. That's just my take. Um, if they don't get Terrence Mann or Norman Powell, I'd probably hold out unless you get two firsts and then a bunch of filler. I mean, one first and one of those guys plus Marcus Morris. I think Marcus Morris still has a lot left in the tank. Um, just a bad, a little down year. Yeah, the, the year. Clippers disagree, but I think he can be more yeah. useful to he another great team than he ago. has been. I mean, to, yeah, he was great. He's he's been a very good role player, good defensive two way player, can knock down the three ball at a high rate. Uh, but you need you need Norman Powell or Terrence, man. That's all I got to say on that. There's nobody else that's that valuable there. So I was wondering when we would get to the portion of the pod where the trade Joel Embiid comment came out. And here we are. <laughs> Did not disappoint, absolutely. Uh, the first thing that I'll say, I think your timeline is much better than that of most when I say when you expect him to ask out I, a lot of people are saying that you know he'll ask out uh you know after they trade Harden, after they uh get through this the season um you know you mentioned a year to two years is really where i'd like to focus here i, I think that's more so the the time frame maybe midway through next season if we go through this offseason even the the end of the offseason if they go through yep. the offseason they haven't made additions that he likes then you could potentially be looking at a situation where I think that those kind of talks are being had. Uh, for now, I think Embiid is committed enough to the organization where he's actually a part of these discussions going on behind closed doors about the direction of the franchise that I'm not worried about him as an immediate flight risk, although you did lay out the benefits to trading him despite him not being an immediate flight risk. It's so hard to get players of his talent level. And for all of his weaknesses, it is. It is. Many as they present themselves during the postseason, uh, it is near impossible to get a player of that caliber back when you trade one of those out. Uh, you've mentioned the injury history for Joel Embiid. It is, it feels as though it's the worst luck in the entire league. The one thing that I will say when you talk about the help needed to get to the third round and this isn't a compliment when I say this, is that they've been close enough before, and it's not been for a lack of talent. It has not been because of an injury that they have not made it. You can even point to last year's series against Boston when they had two opportunities. Two Embiid opportunities. was injured, man. Embiid to was make, too injured. I understand that. I was there. I was there. I understand it. But when you look at, the opportunities they had to close out that series and the way that, and it wasn't just Joel Embiid. No, and, and Harden could have done it Damian alone. Harden. And it, well, that's the thing is that when you went later on, Harden obviously had two games. He performed fantastic and he was absolutely horrible other than that. And it wasn't all on Harden. It wasn't two all and on a half, three. It's on those <laughs> two. Okay. It was on those two. First of all, cause they're the stars. That's their responsibility. But the coaching was not up to quality. The rest of the play of the entire roster was not up to quality. And even though they had these opportunities, they squandered them. That's the reality of the situation. 
whether or not they were the more talented team than Boston, they were in the position to win that series twice, and they let it slip. That is almost more concerning than not being talented enough to get there in the first place. So that's where we talk about the whole direction effectively having to change. They've already started that with Nick Nurse. We will see where that goes. We'll see what Joel Embiid looks like under Nick Nurse. Who knows if we'll get the opportunity to see what James Harden looks like under Nurse, but that's, I think, missing the point a little bit. Uh, So can they, even without James Harden, reach that level Perhaps, but it's a lot more difficult after this offseason where we see Drew Holiday and Chris Hatsperzingis go to Boston, Damian Lillard go to Milwaukee. Those teams trending positively, and the Sixers certainly have trended negatively. So it will be difficult to envision that, and that may be enough to push MB to that point where he's ready to move on. I do not believe that you can move a player like that until they are ready to move on. I'm okay with that. Even if it's a difference between one draft pick one first round pick, which I think is all it really would be because we've seen for these high, true, true, high level valued stars, these immense picks. Look what Portland got by the end of it for Damian Lillard. I mean, that was they did get lucky though hard. with having that Drew that Drew addition. Like is it lucky or is it by design? Well, that's that's the big question because if you look at it and Miami offering wanting out at the same what time picks they could listen <laughs> DeAndre Ayton is a very divisive player in the league. So some people will grade that differently than others. Uh, At the end of the day, you got a former number one overall pick, albeit he's expensive, but that's what you have. But when you look at it from a draft pick compensation, targeting a player like Drew Holiday, who you could immediately flip, that was just a savvy move on the part of Portland. You got to give it up for them there. That's the type of mentality that you have to have for – Joel Embiid if the Sixers do ever to look look to make that trade. We know Miami's the team that most likely Embiid would want to go to if he were not to play in Philadelphia. Miami, possibly New York. If the pathway is Miami, I guess your equivalent is that and then flipping Bam out of bio, but centers don't have that same value historically that uh, a true defensive stopper like Drew Hollywood on the on basically anywhere. <laughs> you can put Drew on basically anyone. That's part of the magic of him. All that just to say, I think that we're not quite at the Joel Embiid trade talk spot, but I do think fans should kind of hit the primer a little bit just so they're not blindsided by the situation. What has to happen first is this James Harden trade. You mentioned two first-round picks. We actually agree on the price. I'm ready to be over and done with it. I think two first-round picks is fair on both sides. And when I say two first-round picks, I mean two straight first-round picks. I'm not talking swaps. So that's all that the Clippers would need to add to the situation. I do think that players like uh, Marcus Morris, like Robert Covington, like Nick Batum can make some impact for the Sixers. Are they going to make the same level of impact as James Harden? Absolutely not. That being said, it's not about, and this is the part where it misses Daryl Morey's message, it's not about replacing 20 and 11 with 20 and 11, that being points and assists. <laughs> it's about putting your squad in position to succeed both now and in the future. And I think with what role players you can get from LA with two first round picks, you can get to kind of reload, make potentially another offer this off season, because when you have that cap space, this off season, it's not just free agency that they're looking at. They're looking to acquire talent any way that they can. And so you have potentially those two first round picks that you can use to up whatever offer you're making 
Now you're in a situation where you can better compete the following season, 2024, and go from there. I'm not saying give up on this season. You never know what happens in the playoffs. The Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse's first season, are a perfect example of never knowing what's going to happen. The year starts with them trading for Kawhi Leonard, and he says he's not going to play for Toronto. And what happens by the end of it? They've won the championship. So you never quite know what will happen, but that is the way that they can best prepare themselves for the future, which the good teams do. The Celtics have done. Even trading Marcus Smart in the Chris Stapps Porzingis deal, they acquired one of the picks that they then shipped out to acquire Drew Holiday, and they still have an army of mostly second-round picks but are now more valuable than ever. The Boston Celtics have done a fantastic job of that, and that's what the Philadelphia 76ers have to do more of. We're reaching an hour. The last thing that I wanted to get to, because I don't want to keep you all night, Zach. I know you got great things to do. The Twins are on. We'll see what happens to that. What's the, can we get a score check? What, what are we looking at? Five right zero. Astros? Five, Five zero. Looking great. Listen, if we're <laughs> obviously Phillies fan here talking, but you have my full permission to smack down the Astros, not just in game two tonight, in yeah, game three, gonna... going forward. Please take the series. I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm just asking. Take the series. Yeah, uh, but before it. we head off for the night, the one thing I do want to ask is when would you and I, I can't even say fairly expect because the one situation or or the one thing that we can say about the situation is that nobody knows. Nobody knows when this is going to be resolved. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. I think most people didn't expect Harden to report to camp at all. Uh, I don't even know if James Harden knows what's happening next. And I think that he would be wise not to know what's happening next because this is a very fluid situation. So with all that being said, do you have any sort of expectation or even prediction, call it what you will, of when this is finally resolved for Philadelphia? I mean, I'd say it's about a 50 to 60% chance it gets done the next couple of days because LAC today came out and said to Woj that we want to get this done sooner than later. So you would think they're going to probably cooperate a little more. Um, I personally think they need him there to start the season. I wouldn't um, do anything crazy on Clippers side of it because you need to get a good seat. If you're the Clippers, you need to build that chemistry uh, with all those, with the Harden Westbrook, Kawhi, Paul George. It's not going to be like cake. I wouldn't say, um, even though Harden, Kawhi and PG fit perfectly and uh, Westbrook fits well with those guys. It's, Harden and Westbrook with those other two um, is the big thing. Um, so you want to get this done immediately so you can have the best season possible because you got to make a decision about Kawhi and Paul George coming up as well. And so to give it all a fair shot and to get the most knowledge you can, you need James Harden there ASAP. Um, do you overpay against yourself? No, not more than... Uh, two maybe protected, depending on the protections, and one of those guys, like I mentioned. Um, but depends when those picks are as well um, in regards to protections. But you got to get something done quick. Um, yeah. So that's why I say is just because the report came out today. Uh, but with Daryl Morey, you know, he's going to try to get the best deal possible. And sure. if he, he thinks he can get a little better waiting out, 
He will. Uh, but I think he knows this team needs to be in the same situation as well with Joel Embiid um, situation, very on rocky edges. Um, if And it will be. And regardless of what happens here, Joel is going to have a lot of stomach turn. You know, mm. he's going to. I mean, until James Harden is off this team, Joel's not going to be feeling feeling that great. I mean, until it's over. Yeah, well, that's you know? the, that's the one thing that's been with those clear. Guys. Yeah, that's the one thing that's been clear is, is Joel Embiid is especially in a rock and a hard place because uh, unlike the situation with Ben Simmons, he does enjoy playing with James Harden. Uh, he does enjoy being a teammate of James Harden. Uh, he does not enjoy having to shoulder by himself. Uh, you know, we've seen that previously, although he is willing to host the limelight, he very much appreciates support as I think that we all do and would. Uh, so that is definitely something to consider is, is Joel Embiid's pressure meter uh, that he's applying to the Sixers organization. Uh, I do think that this is resolved a good deal before the trade deadline. I think it's Ooh, a little bit deadline. later. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is that there is, there is the, man. what if this, there is the, what if this goes until the trade deadline? Uh, and, and so we will see what happens with that. I I'm thinking the first week of November, and this is a complete gut feeling that I have something about that first week of the regular season being over a time to truly analyze, you know, what do you have? What don't you have? I think that might be enough to either a give the Clippers time to secure that second first round pick they're looking for, or B even get them to offer that just so they can have that sense of security going forward. Uh, the, again, it's not a compliment. It's not an insult. It's just the fact of what it is. Uh, Daryl Morey, is He's certain of what he He's wants in a trade. <laughs> do do not. <laughs> and listen, and this is this this kind of goes towards you know that point, and then also Darren Morey refuting that statement uh, at media day. Uh, you don't last as long in the business as Darren Morey has uh, without stretching the truth at least once or twice. Oh, that's, he had to lie to Harden. He had to lie to him. I don't blame him for lying to Harden, but. Um, well, it, 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 again, let's, let's talk about let, let's just clarify what the lie was about because this is this has been <laughs> oh, here we go. supposedly okay. And what Harden did tell the NBA in the investigation is that he's referring specifically to the trade, specifically to the trade. So let's just get that out of the way. We that the lie the in lie. question to the lie in question, Zach, I'll let you take that up with Harden. The lie in question <laughs> is about. <laughs> It's about Daryl Morey not trading him as he said he would. That being said, we may be almost at the horizon of the trade. Who knows what's going to happen from here? At this point, in Philadelphia, we're vibing watching the Phillies in the playoffs and watching the 5-0 Eagles. Not that we're not paying attention to the to the Sixers because we can't turn our face away. Uh, but it's, it's not allowing that cloud to settle in. The vibe out of training camp is pretty good. Uh, preseason, they didn't win, but it's a preseason game. Who cares if you saw a lot of positive development? Tyrese Maxey, Jaden Springer. We'll talk about that more proper another time. Uh, for now, we will give you any updates 
on the James Harden trade if we do hear any. Thank you so much, Zach, for joining us for our show today. Absolutely go check him out on Twitter, at Zach Noble. Uh, listen to all things NBA from Ball is Life. Uh, absolutely give that give that a listen. Uh, where where would you prefer that they find that? I'm sure they can find that anywhere podcasts are streamable, but what, what else would you have to say about it? Much appreciated you having me on, man. Good conversation. And all things NBA by Ball is Life. Um, everywhere, but mainly YouTube. We're trying to grow that page, so I appreciate any subscribes. And um, Apple and Spotify. So hit us up. Let us yeah. know what you like and don't like. And we should have a lot of guests coming on here soon. Awesome. Great stuff. We love it. We're getting to the meat of the season now. So hopefully Ready not much longer hoop. until we can just enjoy some basketball. That's it. I just want to enjoy some basketball, man. That's that's what I'm getting down to more than anything else. But thank you once again for joining. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Those who are watching along on YouTube. Uh, once again, this has been Still Processing. <sighs> Man, we're still processing, folks.